That's News to Me is a Twisted Dreams comedy production. Girl, what are you ranting about? I'm talking about the podcast News to Me. Have you never heard of it? Look, listen to the catchy jingle. Press play. Erica B and Mookie G and everything they say, man, it's news to me. You got Mookie G and Erica B and everything they say, man, it's news to me. Found it in the peach, news to me. Welcome to That's News to Me. I'm Mookie G. And I'm Erica. We scour the internet to find funny, weird, absurd news stories to blur the bad, depressing, boring stuff and hopefully bring a smile to your face. We're so glad you've joined us for another episode. If you wouldn't mind, continue to help us do what we love. You can support the show in three ways, none of which require your money. All we ask is that you subscribe so you don't miss a future episode, share us with your friends so we can continue to grow, and leave us a five-star review so that we know you like what you hear. Shall we get started? Let's go. All right. So we are here with Chief Manley from the Brennan, is it the Brennan County? Brennan Fire Department, and we are in Jefferson County, Washington. So our official name is uh, Jefferson County Fire Protection District Number 4, but we uh, go by and pay our bills by the name of Brennan Fire Department. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us. We covered this story, I believe, Mookie, keep me honest, episode 40? Episode 41. Episode 41. 41. 41. So we found the story about the woman who was on a hike, found herself with her cell phone in the toilet of a, sounded like a camping outhouse, tried to disassemble or did disassemble the toilet herself, tried to connect some dog leashes to pull herself down into the hole to retrieve the phone and the leashes broke and she found herself in a pretty crappy place. So uh, she was able to find her cell phone and call 911 and your team of rescuers found her and helped her get out. So that's what we cover in our in our episode. And it was very high level. Um, so I'm glad we were able to talk to you and get a more intimate perspective on the things that transpired. But before we do that, Chief, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? What do you like to do for, for hobbies? What's your favorite thing about being a firefighter? Just anything you want to tell us um, sure. and our listeners. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, like I said before, I found your uh, podcast from you reaching out to me. So I am uh, looking forward to listening to this podcast afterwards. So thanks. So a little bit about me. I am the fire chief with Britain Fire Department. I've been here for just under six years. Um, I've lived in this county for 25 years as a firefighter paramedic. And then I became the chief here back in 2016. And things that I like, well, you can see it's Disney. Uh, we are <laughs> (laughs) a Disney family. We go to Disney quite a bit and we like to travel. We just got back from Europe um, about two weeks ago and we do um, missionary work over in Slovakia. So we just got back from my wife and my son just got back from Slovakia about two weeks ago after doing uh, three weeks of mission work over there. Just basically do English Bible camps. Very cool. That's awesome. So you have one son? Uh, No, actually, we have seven, but he's our youngest. My oldest is 32, and we have three grandbabies. Then my youngest is 13, Timmy. uh, He's a junior. And uh, so, yeah, I have plenty of reasons to go to Disney. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
First off, you have you said you have a 37 year old. Did I hear that right? No, 30, 32 year old. 32 year old. I have, seven, I have seven children. Yep. I'm 55. Okay. <laughs> Sir, you do not look like a man that would have a 32 year old yeah, whatsoever. I'm 55. <laughs> Fifth, okay. All right. Wow. And seven kids. I have one and I have a hard time raising my one. You have. We only seven. have one yet. So, I mean, you can imagine we have older brothers and sisters and uh, he's 13. And uh, we used to have a huge house, two story, five bedrooms. And now we are at a very small 1200 foot, two bedrooms. It's a lot easier to manage. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But I have another question. Sure. Hmm? You said you love Disney. So here, here's a big question. Disney World or Disneyland? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so uh, here's how we do it. So as you know, there's Disney across the world, you know, Disneyland Paris, Hong Kong, uh, there's Shanghai, Tokyo, and so on. And we are in, our, in the process of going to all of them. But let's say we just want to go away quickly. That's Disneyland because it's just a short flight from uh, Seattle to California. But our big trips are like Florida and so on. And when we do our mission trips, sometimes we'll stay an extra week or two and we'll go to Disneyland Paris and then Tokyo, Shanghai, uh, Hong Kong, those are just still on the list of things to do before uh, the bucket list gets full. What's your favorite? Which park do you like the best out of the ones you visited so far? Um, gosh, each one is so unique. I don't think you can ask a true Disney person what is their favorite. I like I like each one for different reasons. I like guess the original because of Disneyland and I just have that that nostalgic type feeling, but with Disneyland, it's kind of like Walt's, you know, that's where Walt is, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I'd say Disneyland just because uh, it's Disneyland. It's the first, it was, you know, the original. And I just, I like that feeling when I'm there. Yeah. Each one is unique. I, I, you know, I, I like each one and I'm looking forward to the other ones that I haven't been to yet. Yeah. We just recorded a podcast episode yesterday where I did a story on big thunder mountain, Mm-hmm. in Disney World, and it's been found to cure more times than not kidney stones. So mm-hmm. I've heard that, that too. Was the real crazy thing that I had not ever heard of before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've heard that too. Pretty, Disney World. Cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So as far as your journey into becoming a fire chief, I read in your bio when you first became interim fire chief, I think they did a a story on you. I I can't remember what the source was. I apologize. But you stated that when you were younger, you used to get your mom to drive you to the fire station when you would hear on the scanner about fires. So is this something you've I assume you've always wanted to do? Is that right? Yeah, I used to, um, you, you know, the TV show Emergency with Johnny and Roy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Squad 51, Engine 51. If I walked home from school, I would not be able to watch the episode. So I had to run home so that I could watch the episode. I was little then. I remember uh, Mrs. Roller, my fifth grade teacher. So that kind of tells you about how far back it goes. And I would run home and I would catch the episode just as it was starting. And I just knew that that's what I always wanted to do. I was about 13, 1982. It was uh, springtime. And I put my arm through a plate glass window. And so we had to call 911. 
uh, the pastor of our church had just been there a couple of days earlier. And in those days, uh, 911 hadn't fully been implemented across the country. And uh, so he had just given us one of the new stickers that we put on our phone. And it was 206-222-2222. And so I remember we had to call the phone, you know, call the ambulance showed up. And on my way to the hospital, I asked a million questions about it. And they said, hey, you know, we have a junior program. And I was like, well, tell me more. And I that's what I did. And then I joined the Navy in 85 and did the same exact thing. The Navy is a Navy corpsman, but I was doing a little bit more with medevacs because we were flying. And then in 1992, while I was in the Navy, um, I would go to school during the day, work at night. And um, I graduated from college. Desert Storm got all done and they offered everybody early out. They paid for all of my college and gave me a ton of money. And then I chased a girl up to Washington State, and here I am. Very cool. <laughs> it's amazing how stories always got to end with chasing the girls somewhere. Always chasing the girls, yep. yep. Seven, and seven kids later, look at you now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So when you were listening to scanners back as a child or, mm-hmm. you know, hanging around the firehouse or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, before you officially became a fireman, were there any stories or any incidences that came to be that gave you any indication that, you know, you, you might come across some really weird situations? It's not all just fighting fires and saving people from a car accident. Was there anything that came across that you were like, OK, we might be in for a wild ride with some of these things that come up? Yes. I mean, I've seen some things, some things uh, that are probably not appropriate to share with people. Um, And so early on in my career, I have seen some pretty bizarre things. I've seen people at their best. I've seen people at their worst. I've seen things that'll make you cry. And I can uh, tell you things that'll, you know, bring joy to your day. Uh, You know, just literally a week ago yesterday, my wife is also a firefighter EMT. uh, And her and I were on a call together. uh, And we delivered a baby girl. So that was just the other, just a week ago, uh, five pounds, 10 ounces. Uh, She was three weeks early, but healthy as health can be. Mom and baby are doing great. So it's those kind of stories. Yeah, we do. It's crazy. Very, very crazy of the things that we get to see, do, experience, and so on. I bet. Are you going to write a book when you retire? (laughs) You know, I actually was contemplating. I just don't know if it would be, you know, know, you're you're always your worst critic. So I, I actually was... I was, it was not, it's funny you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, it would be neat, at least for me anyways, you know, just at least having it. I'm going to encourage you to do so, please. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah. I want to know more about working with your wife. Um, Yeah. Um, So what's that like? That's, that has to be fun, amusing, and it is. So we're what we'll call a combination fire department. So we have both paid and volunteers. And so my wife is also a volunteer. So when I'm, you know, and, and I'm on duty basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is my job. This is what I get paid to do. But there really is no off time for the fire chief. If I want off time, I've literally got to sign off the radio, turn the radios off and so on. You know, it doesn't stop me from, you know, going 
to the grocery store or across the water or anything like that. But I'm pretty much on duty all the time. Anyways, for the longest time, she really wasn't interested. Um, she looked forward to when I was working and had my 24 hour shifts, you know, that was kind of her time and she did her thing. But, uh, you know, I would come home and I would try to talk to her and just, you know, be a guy and just be told and she'd ask questions and stuff. And it's like, ugh, I just want to tell you my story. You know, what's the jaws of life, you know, and now you've got to explain that. And it kind of just ruined the story as well. About seven years ago, she decided she'd take the EMT course and she did. And she loved it. She became what I call a trauma junkie. She loves going on trauma calls. And then, you know, just more and more, she started getting into it. And now we have the relationship where we are able to talk and I can share my experiences with her. She knows exactly what I mean. She's not asking questions about what's the jaws of life. She knows what they are. And then she um, just uh, last month took a three-month course to become a firefighter. And now she's an interior qualified firefighter. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a school teacher. Um, she works in the next town over. She's a school teacher. And uh, yeah, now she's interior qualified. As a matter of fact, she's pulling a shift tomorrow. We have what we call a stipend program where the volunteers come in and they ride third. And so she's pulling a 24 hour shift tomorrow. So I get to boss her around when I'm at work. <laughs> I was going to ask if, you, if she lets you be the boss at work. <laughs> and I have her permission to say so. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Hey, congratulations. We go on calls together and uh, we work really well together. As a matter of fact, she complimented us the other day. She says, you know, we make a good team. And I, I have to tell you that really touched my heart when she said that, you know, that we make a good team. So yeah, if we're doing something right. That is very, very nice. But, but we know when you get home, who's the boss at home. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's great. So regarding the situation with the woman, can you take us kind of through the call that came in, whether or not you yourself were there or what you heard from the people that were the firefighters or the the rescue team that were there? We know the story based on what we read, but what did the story look like from your perspective? So you can imagine um, the tones go out and just exactly what that she had fallen into a vault toilet. And over here is a door that opens out into the uh, bay where all the apparatus and everything are. And my crew came in and they said, did they say she's in the toilet? Um, And, you know, we hear all kinds of weird stuff come over the radio. And I said, yep. And um, so up we went and got there and, um, it's exactly what dispatch said it was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She was down there. We looked down and she was looking up. Oh, bless her. How, how deep was she? Okay. So literally think of a concrete vault, literally a concrete vault, eight by eight by eight. Oh. Oh. Um, and then it's got a, uh, a hole in it. So, um, yeah, let's kind of explain that a little bit. So it's an eight by eight vault. And, and when you are standing on the floor, you're actually standing on the ceiling of the vault. If you were inside it, you would be standing on the floor. Um, and it's probably about maybe about eight inches thick, give or take. And then it's got a hole about that big. And then on top of that sits a canister, toilet seat and so on. And they're designed to be taken apart. That's how they clean them. Uh, they get pumped out and everything. And so it wasn't difficult for her to take it apart it wasn't like it had plumbing and everything into it it literally is a vault that 
you go pooping. <laughs> oh, I would imagine that to me, and, and this is one of the things that Mookie and I were talking about when we covered the story. If my phone falls into something like that, I'm going to consider it a loss. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'll let insurance take care of it. Yes, I, I will tell you, I do not understand why, how, whatever. Uh, maybe she didn't have cloud services. I don't know. But I mean, it was definitely an Android phone. So I yeah, don't yeah. know how I have an iPhone. So I don't know if Android phones have cloud-based services or not. Do you guys know? But yeah, I don't know. She don't wanted that phone back. And I can tell you why she did. We can talk about that. But yeah, she wanted that phone back. I know. It, I, I do know why. It has to be that phone was made of gold, pure gold. <laughs> no. It was, no. it was just an average everyday, uh, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was an expensive phone, but still, you know, and she had a plan. So, and, and she, it wasn't like she was destitute and she could afford to a new one. I know she could have, but, uh, it was what's on the phone and she is a dog lover. Uh-huh. Um, her dogs are a special breed and I just want to be careful. So I don't physically identify her, but yeah. let's right, just say right, right. they're, they're very beautiful dogs. And they are the type of dogs that are shown at shows and that kind of stuff. And she was, uh, she was from California and she was taking the Highway 101 trip all the way around. And it brought her up to Forks where Twilight was filmed and, you know, the story of mm-hmm. Twilight come all the way around. And then it also brings you down through Brennan. And she basically went up to the top of Mount Walker and you can drive up there, but you can also hike. And as you're coming over 101, there's signs and everything, lookout point. And when you're up there, you can see Mount Rainier, you can see Mount Baker, you can see Mount Hood down in Oregon, you can see Mount St. Helens. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous view up there. You can see all the way into Seattle. Uh, you can see into Canada. So it, it's quite the view. Wow. Um, so she was up there doing pictures with the dogs and everything, used the bathroom, dropped the phone. Uh, but she wanted those photos of her dogs um, and all of her history and everything she did. Now, of course, I know who she is and I'm able to see her on Facebook. And she was recording her journey on Facebook with all of that and everything and posting the pictures of the dogs uh, and so on. So to her, that was important. And that's why she wanted it. It makes sense, you know, without understanding exactly what she was trying to retrieve. It had to have been from the outside reading in, it had to have been significant to her to go through the links that she did to try to yes. get Maybe she didn't understand she had cloud services or something like that. And, and you know, some people are just not tech savvy. Uh, right. So maybe she didn't understand that she had access to them, but in that moment she decided that she had to have it. So, yeah. I hope now that she understands that she has, she can back everything up. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we get further on the story, we, we never do. did get that chance to have that kind of conversation with her. Um, you want me to just explain the rest of the story? How she yeah, went? Yeah, okay. So, I'll yeah, so she dropped it down. Um, the dogs were in the car. And so she popped open the back of the car, grabbed the leashes, and she basically made a harness for herself and then tied it to the wall. And um, because it, um, well, if you look at the picture on our, on our um, Facebook page, Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see how big it is. The yellow tape has got it cordoned off. She basically tied off to the wall, tied herself to it, and then tried to reach in and grab it. But her harness and leashes, they 
let go. And, and in she went head first. Now, to her benefit, um, it was springtime. So the toilets had been cleaned, but they are not like spotless clean and you can never get it all out. So it was still about thigh deep. Um, so she fell eight feet head first in, you know, catching, you know, going down like that. Yep. The faces you're making, you're visual, you are visualizing it correctly. In she went, grabbed her phone, made the 911 call, and then we got the call. We go down, we see her, or we go up, actually. We look down into the hole. There she is. And she had spent about 20 minutes trying to basically reach up and get her hands up above the edge and trying to pull herself out. And it just wasn't going to happen. So what we did was uh, we have cribbing, um, which are uh, pieces of wood. Uh, they're four by four pieces of wood, and they're about 18 inches in length. And we use that to stabilize vehicles that have rolled over or hold up heavy objects and so on. And we, we basically build them like um, Lincoln logs and uh, we, we call that cribbing. What we did was we passed a bunch of those down to her and she was able to stack them up so that she could get her shoulders above the hole. And then we used harnesses and pulled her out. And then we brought our rescue up with us, which has fire hoses and stuff on the back and washed her down. And then we gave her what's called a Tyvek suit uh, so that, and she basically thanked us. Obviously she's embarrassed. She just, would you like to go to the hospital? Highly recommending because of course she's fallen into a toilet and so on and all the bacteria and so on. Uh, but she was alert oriented. Uh, she knew who, what, when, why, where, and how I can't kidnap her. She says, I really just want to go 10, four. She got in her car and she left. And like I said, I know who she is and then follow her. And there is zero mention that she even came through our neck of the woods. I'm sure. I am. Yeah, there is no mention whatsoever. And she is completely anonymous. The press, you know, she did give her name, but they've misspelled her name because it has a different phonetic spelling and so on. So she's completely anonymous. Nobody knows who she is. She knows who she is. I know who she is. The crew has actually forgotten her name. So uh, she's safe. Uh, but yeah, she makes zero mention on her Facebook from point A to point B or from point A to point C, B, Brennan was yeah. not mentioning whatsoever. That is totally gone. There is no mention of it. I do believe the last mention, well, I'll just, I mean, it's, it'd be hard for anybody to figure it out, but her last mention of uh, Washington State, I believe, was in Forks. The next mention was Portland, Oregon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brandon. <laughs> yeah. You may have mentioned this and I missed it. How long did it take to get her out? So how long was she in? Um, just hospital? quickly assessing and so on, passing it down. So about 15, 20 minutes, not very long at all. It was okay. more just, you know, first of all, let's, okay, you're fine. Great. So there's no immediate rush for life safety. Let's make sure I'm safe. You're safe. We're all safe. Okay. Yeah. Now, how are we going to mitigate this? Um, and so about 15 minutes from the moment we said, okay, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. And then now she's out 15, yeah. 20 minutes, give or take. Yeah. Okay. And I'm envisioning, and this could totally be incorrect, but in my head, I, as a mother, I know how I react when my children come at me with dirty hands or with something that I don't want to touch. And you're like, whoa, you know, stay back. <laughs> let me, let me 
you know, get you clean first. So when she came out of the vault, did you all have to touch her to lift her up? I mean, how did you keep but we wear we wear gloves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I was saying before, you know, when I first started back in the 80s, we didn't wear gloves. But yes, today's culture, we wear gloves and so on. Um, but yeah, we came back. We had to change our clothes and take showers yeah. and so on. I mean, it is what it is. It was a crappy situation. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I knew it was going to come in somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, we had to come back and clean up, of course. Yeah. And then we have special sheets and stuff that we would literally we just set on our seats and so on so that we can we can ride back and uh, not get the, the truck dirty and so on. But then we get cleaned up. And now let's also let's just make sure all our equipment. Oh, and I can tell you the cribbing is still at the bottom of that vault. We did not. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was going to ask that. <laughs> it is. It, um, I went to the hardware store the next day and we bought new cribbing. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to leave that. We're going <laughs> to. Total loss. We're going to stop at uh, the hardware store. We'll, we'll, don't worry about that. And yeah, I did. Listening to your story, the part that, that throws me off, she went down there to get the phone because of the pictures. And she wanted to document everything. Mm-hmm. I would be upset that I'm looking on her Facebook page. And I know you better say something. You don't have to say what happened. But I need to see some pictures of everything <laughs> around here. Okay. That's what I, I need to see you and your dog before this happened. You had to take some pictures. You down in that hole. I need to see the pictures. Yeah. I, I didn't ask. I don't want to look. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Some things are maybe better left undocumented, yep. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Wow. So how, as a, as a firefighter, do you guys, do you all receive training in handling sensitive situations like that where people are probably embarrassed they don't want to be i mean i think my husband's in the medical field and and i know that you know for example in the er a lot he doesn't work in the er but a lot of physicians in the er see things that they never thought they would see and they're just trained to treat everything with such um not flippantly but you know they don't make a big deal about it because they know people are embarrassed but do you guys receive that type of training or do you just on the job prepare other firefighters to just. It is. Yeah, it is brought out. Um, so say you come to the fire department and you say, hey, I want to be a volunteer or I want to be a career member or something. And you go through that process. Uh, when you start something like your basic EMT course, that is something that is taught in the very beginning. It is uh, part of our ethics, our values and so on. Now, of course, you know, here I am talking about it and so on, but I am protecting her identity. But yeah, here in the fire station, you know, um, we have our private spaces. We tell stories. We laugh. You remember that time? Uh, of course. I mean, you, you uh, we have our own dark humor, so to speak, that, you know, the average person out on the street would be like, you guys are sick. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is what it is. Firefighters, EMTs, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Police officers. You got to see things that we don't see on a regular basis. So nope. your sense of humor and what you're going to talk about at work is going to be completely different than what we talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen television shows about firefighters and, and police officers and, and EMTs. Is it is it what we see on TV or is it? Absolutely not. No, the TV <laughs> is made so to be enjoyed. You know, when these firefighters go in on these structure fires, if they were to show the actual conditions, it would just be a black screen because you can't see 
Uh, we have thermal imagers so we can th see through the smoke. So, I mean, they have to change the conditions so they can make a TV show uh, and so on and make it dramatic. But uh, I honestly cannot and do not watch those shows because they just drive me insane. I'm just like... <laughs> I bet you pick apart yeah. everything. That's not real. Um, I do watch uh, because it's reality. Uh, Night Watch, uh, so that New Orleans, the New Orleans, and um, uh, because that is actual stuff and so on. So you know what mm -hmm. they show is real calls, and so that that's real. But um, uh, what are some of those Chicago Fire? And there's another one of that's from Seattle. I can't think of that guy's Rob Lowe. I think is on one of those shows, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it's. It's just drama made for TV. Uh, even the end of Backdraft where, um, what was Kurt Russell when he goes into, he saves his brother and all that kind of stuff. And he dies in the back of the ambulance. That scene was fake. It was, it was like, <laughs> yeah, that will never happen. <laughs> it was just yeah. weird. What is your favorite type of call to get? Do you have a favorite type? I mean, I, I'm sure things like delivering babies are gratifying and, you know, that type of, do you have i am i enjoy calls that you know i'm a i'm a, I'm a paramedic so i'm basically the eyes ears hands of a physician from the emergency room and i do um, a lot of emergency work you know my nearest hospital is an hour away so we do a lot of medevacs out of here and so on i like calls that challenge me make me use my education and so on and um you know, you have your basic bread and butter calls, but I like calls that are challenging and I have to use my knowledge and my experience to get this patient the level of care, quality of care, and so on. So I like challenging calls, challenging rescues, stuff like that, stuff where I have to use my head. Yeah, that means you're in the right field. But yeah, I like calls that are challenging where, where you have to think and you got to work. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So you have seven children. You have one still at home, so you have six out of the house. One passed away as a baby. Oh. Uh, so we, we have, um, um, of course, we have seven children, but uh, six of them in there spread across the, uh, the United States, all the way from Virginia to Seattle. Uh, one of them right now, just we FaceTime this morning. She's in Cozumel on a, on a Disney cruise ship right now. So I'm jealous, actually, because she's on a Disney <laughs> cruise ship. Um, so, yeah. Are uh, any of them following in your footsteps? Uh, my youngest is because now that my wife, Crystal, is doing it. So now he's 13. Uh, of course, he has a phone, but he, he comes here to the station. He is what we call a cadet and he participates and he goes on calls with me. Um, and he stands at the doorway or depending on where we're at, you know, if we're on the highway or something like that, I make him stay in the vehicle or he'll jump in the back of the pickup of my command vehicle just so that he can have a little bit of height, but still watch the call and so on. He's 13. So I'm just careful what he sees, smells, experiences and so on. So yeah, yeah he is falling. My other ones. No. I have everything you could possibly. I have one that's a fashion designer. I have one that's a hairstylist. She's the one that's on the Disney cruise. I have my hippie child. I have a nuclear specialist who works on the uh, USS Stennis uh, in the Navy. So none of them followed in my footsteps except for the last one. So yeah, my namesake. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of them. At least you got yep. one of them. Yep. Mookie, do you have any questions? Those are all the questions that I had. No, I was just going to point out, like, 13, your son's 13. You started around 13. Mm -hmm. It's a tie in there. 
Hey, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now we just, uh, hopefully he doesn't wake up mom at two in the morning. Mom, mom, mom. <laughs> There's a call. Hey, There's a call. Right. Yeah. yeah. My son, he's just turned 11 and he loves football and I have enough of a hard time getting him to sports stores. He wants me to buy him footballs all the time or, you know, and I'm like pushing him away. I can't imagine him waking me up at two in the morning, mom, there's a, a call and I need you to take me to the fire station. Like, yeah. Oh, um, you, yeah, so um, it was, I was about 13. So by the time I got done, I was 14. And in those days, I don't know if it's still the same. And I, I lived in Maine then. So when I was eligible at 15 to get my driver's license, my mom got me my driver's license. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. I learned to drive in a 1976 Plymouth Bellari. Station oh, wagon wow. yeah. <laughs> with wood awesome. panels on the side. Nice. Did it have the crank windows or was it? All yeah, that? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It was, then, that car was made in the 70s. All crank windows. Back all then. crank yeah. windows. My first and then my car. first car was a 1973 Plymouth Fury 2, Plymouth Fury 3, something like that. Yeah. Man. I called yeah. it the Ark. <laughs> it was so big. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Mine was a, a hot pink Dodge Shadow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I say it's hot pink. My mom argues. She's like, Eric, it was not hot pink. It was magenta. I'm like, mom, that's the same thing. It's the same. But I was grateful. It was a car. So I was grateful. Luke and I can just tell you it's pink. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's just pink. <laughs> it's mauve. Um, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's red. <laughs> yeah. My mom's trying to spin it to, you know, yeah. it's, it was not that bad, Erica. I'm like, yeah, it was. It was that bad, but I loved it. Either way, it was a car. So yes. I wasn't going to argue with it. Well, Chief Manley, we are ever so grateful for your time. I can't tell you how grateful we are that you've taken time out of your day to, to talk to us. And you're welcome. We wish you all the best. And if we're ever in your neck of the woods, we're going to stop by and say hi. Most definitely. Yes, yes. And thank you for everything that you are doing. We Absolutely. really appreciate you. Thank you very much. And I look forward to uh, listening to your podcast. I, I actually downloaded it when uh, you emailed me so or oh. added it to my podcast list. So, Well, thank you. And we will send you a preview version of this episode so you can listen to it and make sure that it, it represents the story and you and your fire department in the way that you want it to. I'm, I'm comfortable with what we've done. So uh, there was awesome. nothing inappropriate said. I think we did just fine. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. And we thank will you. With your day. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Look, listen to the catchy jingle, press play. Erica B and Mookie G and everything they say, man, it's news to me. You got Mookie G and Erica B and everything they say, man, it's news to me. Found it in the peach, news to me. Every word do teach, cause it's news to me. You got news to me, news to me. Erica and Mookie and news to me. You can't say Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Do you have a suggestion for a future episode? Please let us know. Send us an email at thatsnews2me at gmail.com. That's news, the number two, me, the number two, at gmail.com.